0: Hey, I'm Mrs. J, your host And I'm Willie J, your co-host And you're tuned in to our new podcast Hanging Hanging with with the the Jeffreys Where we discuss marriage Parenting Starting slash running a business And the one thing that brings it all together love. Love Hello, it's Marie Jeffries, your host. And today I have a special co-host with me, my beautiful mommy. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about starting again. And I thought she would be the perfect guest to bring on because tell us a little about yourself, mommy.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm LaVon, Marie's mother. I am 60 years old, and I am a college student going for my master's in health administration.
0: hmm Which is amazing. Amazing. She's brilliant. I've always known that, and... I hope she knows that as well. So we're going to get right into the episode and we're going to ask my beautiful mom, LaVon, some questions. So the first question is, what was your former career?
1: Well, my former career, I am a Navy veteran and I've always been involved in medicine. I'm not a nurse, but I was involved in caring for people and meeting their needs in other ways. So I was a surgical scheduler, I did transcription work, medical billing, Um, at some point in time I even did crisis counseling where I helped patients who were going through drug withdrawals and like basically a medical babysitter, if you will, and um, about... Six years ago, enough was enough as far as the former job, and it was time to go. And as I stated, I am a former veteran, and I received my veteran's benefits, and I left that job and decided to finish school, which is something I've been trying to do since the 90s, and I actually was able to get my associate's. I got my bachelor's in 2020, and now I went straight into my master's at Drexel University, and that's what I'm completing now.
0: Okay, so what is your current career as a student, right? Yes. So, what is your current goal?
1: Well, to get through the master's program, first of all. Um, And then just take some time. I just, I've, because I am also a caregiver and I have one parent left. I'm actually the sole caregiver of um, vacations, things like little getaways. I really can't do that as of yet, but I can do my schoolwork. So that's what I'm doing as well as taking care of my father And when all is said and done, I really want to get back into traveling. I did like to cruise and I've been to Paris and I really would like to, you know, go back and visit other places again.
0: Okay. Well, you kind of already answered the question of what made you decide to switch careers because you kind of just had enough of what you were doing prior. So the next question is, um, how do you feel about being a baby boomer? Because though you're at the end of that, that uh, I guess, that age group. Yes. How do you feel like we feel like being a baby boomer and basically the stigma that's attached to your age group as people that stay in careers for 30, 35 years, 40 years, maybe even more than that, and just retire from just working one job all of their lives?
1: Well, for me, I am one of the few baby boomers that. Don't believe in it. I Marie can tell you, even growing up, even though I've been in the medical profession, I've never stayed working in any hospital until my last job, actually. More than six years. I've used I worked in one hospital, I was there for six years, and I was like, okay, that's it. I worked at another hospital. I was there for four and a half, five years. And the last hospital I worked at (laughs) was the longest, and that was actually 16 years. And that was only because I went through a really bad divorce and some other issues. And it was like I had a young child still, even though she was getting out of high school and going into college, I still had a child to take care of. So leaving a job like I normally would have and get another job because I never had a problem getting a job anywhere. But being a baby boomer, I used to notice how a lot of people in my age group and older would always say when you would say stuff about a job and say, oh, no, I'm not staying on this job. I'll give it a couple of years. They would be the first ones to tell you, oh, no, no. Oh, I've been on this job for 25 years and I'm going to stay here and, and get my pension and I'm going to stay. And it used to floor me because me, I used to think, wait a minute, don't you want to live, live your life? And a lot of them just, well, I need the insurance. I, I need to get that paycheck entrepreneurship, having their own business, those things never crossed their minds. They would work for somebody else. They would complain the whole time, but they would never do anything to change. And even when I walked away from my job, it was like culture shock because I've been there for 16 years and I didn't even know what to do. Getting up in the morning, going grocery shopping and, okay, what do I do with the rest of the day? But I couldn't see myself walking back into a job, clocking in, sitting at a desk, being told you need to do this for this amount of time. You can go to lunch between the hours of 11 and one. Uh, you can take a two minute break, a five minute break. Those That part of me, that was never a part of my life. I never went to jobs thinking that it was the end all be all. So that I think is what makes me different as far as the baby boomer. I don't even put myself in that category because the people in that age group, they don't want to reinvent themselves. I, on the other hand, believe that's important. You can always begin again.
0: Okay. So this wasn't a question that I had written down, but since you started talking, about your generation and how you feel like though you feel like you're separated from them. Do you feel like maybe the baby boomers that are born in the sixties have a different way of thinking because y'all came of age in the seventies?
1: Yeah, that could be it. That could be it. But even there are some in that, like I'm in the last two years, so I'm born in 62. So it ends at 64. And I want to say maybe the last couple of years, there may be a couple of us that are like that where we have left jobs, packed up, moved out of the country, moved to other states, and just restarted. Now there are, I have older brothers that are born in 59, 60, 54, or 55, I think it is. And they started a job and they stayed at that job, reached retirement age and moved away, moved, to, but they waited. They never packed up and left. They worked the 20 years. They worked the 25 years. And I just, I don't know, because I know that you can always begin again. And there's a lot of people in the baby boomer generation that they are still living in the part, of what we call like the silent generation, which is the generation before us, which is my parents, mm-hmm. and they just you get a job, you gotta work it, you work it uh, and get all them benefits, and and you can do like thirty years and and get you some social security, and and you know you have a little pension you can live off of, and they never think about let me take care of myself, let me. Spend time with my family. Because one of the things I noticed, even in working in one of the hospitals that I worked at, um there was a couple of people and they worked in the service industry. And that's all they talk about. Yeah, I'm up for my five year, I got I'm I'm close to it now. I got five more months and I'm retiring. And they retire and die. And they die within three months. Yeah, we see or, that
0: in the post office too. It's ridiculous.
1: What? Or the thing I've noticed with some of the women that were in the service industry, they retired. And Social Security has it where you can retire, and I think it's 90 days out. You're you either 90 days or six months. It's either, it's either three or six months. And you can reapply for your position, but you can only work part time. And a lot of these people, didn't have the pension is not enough for them to survive off of and include their social security. So guess what? They're 65, 66, 67 years old and having to work still.
0: That's crazy. And, but the thing is, I, I actually feel bad for them because it's not really, it's not their fault. It's, it's the way the jobs are set up and it's capitalism. It keeps you where they want you to work until you die. Mm-hmm. So they make it so because we actually had one of our co-workers who I remember when I was pregnant with my daughter and I worked at the post office and he was like, you're going to be here. You're going to be here, for, you know, forever, forever, ever. And I was like, no, I'll probably be gone before, <laughs> before you ever decide to retire. He's like, yeah, I'm going to retire when I get my full. I'm eligible to get my full hundred percent, you know, uh, and he well, went on vacation and he. Did not come back because he had passed away in his sleep. He had the years and he had the age to 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 you know retire, and he did not take it. Instead, you know, where does that money go now?
1: Mm-mm, but he also didn't live his life. He no. lived for his job. Yeah, and that's the problem with a lot of baby boomers. They get mad at the millennials and all. Oh, you need to get yourself together. What you need to do is get you a job. Okay, see how that's working out for y'all? A lot of us in the baby boomer generation have actually gotten jobs, worked until we were, until sick. You know, I, I know a lot of nurses that I worked with. I've never seen so many people in the medical field have so many medical procedures. It's because they're not taking care of their bodies. They're working themselves to the bone, you know, and then... On top of that, instead of going on a vacation, their vacation is spent coming, going to a hospital, getting a knee replaced, a hip replaced.
0: Not even that, I see quite a few older people that are at the, the center with me when I'm getting my iron transfusions. And a lot of them are at the older stages of their life getting chemotherapy. And I'm like... I'm pretty sure they didn't think that they were going to work for years and years and years. And now at the end of their life, they're trying to make it through cancer. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I just feel like the way the world is set up, that you have to work a maximum of all of your life to get 100% of what you put in. And even then, you don't get 100% of what you put in. You get barely that. Because uh-huh. a lot of them at the post office, they have they feel like we have in order to get my hundred percent, I have to work forty plus years to get my hundred percent. Especially if you weren't military, because you know post office, you can get military plus your years of service working at the post office. So if you don't have that, a lot of them feel like they have to work for forty years to get that hundred percent. But if you're getting that hundred percent, and then you're only living maybe a couple of weeks after that or a year after that, was it even worth it? No, it wasn't worth it at all. Yeah, that's something that is always bothered me because I'm like, you have to spend your whole entire life working to get what you think you put into this job, not realizing you're not even getting that back. And
1: it's the mindset. And, and for, unfortunately, like I said, the baby boomers mindset is that of their parents from the quiet generation. You get a job, you work it. You keep your mouth shut so you can get your paycheck and get your insurance and work whatever many years you need to work to get that pension. And once you get your pension,
0: retire. That's it. Okay. now this is another question that I didn't have. But now that we're talking about this, it just came to my head. So you feel like that is something that's more prevalent in the black community? than in other communities because I feel like a lot of what you're saying is what you, you hear a lot of older black people say to people in your age group and in my age group that you need to be grateful to God that you have a job you need to sit and work that job you know you got insurance you got this you got that be happy because you, you could have no job at all so you need to stay there and work mm-hmm. that job and yeah. just conti- like I feel like that's yeah. something that I hear more prevalent in our community, in our community.
1: yeah you, you will and and the sad part is because we are not taught about banking, we're not taught finances, even as kids, we're not taught how to open a checking account, how to open a savings account, um, how to save money. You have a lot of people that will work this job and get paid every two weeks and live, maybe pay their bills and maybe have A couple of days out of that paycheck, like let's say they get paid on Friday, they might not have any more money by Monday because they paid all their bills. So in their minds, well, I got to keep this job because this job is keeping the roof over my head. This job is keeping food in my family's bellies. And actually corporate America loves loves and thanks us for that because that's what we do. We're good at working. I mean, even on my job, my job, there were days where I needed to, wanted to be home, wanted to go get off or whatever. And I was told this paperwork has to be done before you leave. I'm a black woman. And their first thing is, well, you know, you should be thankful you have a job. And I've actually had to turn around and tell a manager, mm, it looks, you you actually don't sign any paychecks. So When they get good and ready, they'll fire you just as quick as they'll fire me. So don't don't ever say that to me because everyone is they say it. Everyone is one paycheck away from being homeless. And the thing is, in the black community, a lot of times they enforce that by the way they treat you on your job. You think you're doing a good job. You really don't get the accolades. But then if they need something, oh, you know, you're, oh, yeah, you know, you're always really good and such and such. And, oh, uh, yeah, can you stay a little later? And it, what they'd ask me, they wouldn't ask my white counterpart. They would, oh, oh, her cat, her cat is sick. She has to go home. But Because I don't have a cat, I need to stay and work an extra hour. There, there is such a, uh, I, I mean, there's some of these jobs and especially in the medical field and whoever's listening that, you know, especially if you are a person of color in the medical field, you know Doors are not open for us that work in the medical field. I know women who went back, got their master's degree, became nurse managers, and were given the worst floors and given the worst staff just for them to get a reason to say she couldn't handle this staff. They knew the staff were bad. They knew the staff was no good. So to have that not... um, You know, just not paying attention and not wanting to work with their own people. That's what they would do. They would just give them certain, I mean, we call it scut work. They would just give them really bad jobs and then hold them responsible for the people that didn't do the work.
0: So they sabotaged them.
1: Yeah, they sabotaged
0: them. That's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. Um, so we have kind of stayed in that and you, I feel like you answered that question and we, we say like <laughs> twice, but I feel like that's an amazing topic to talk about how as, um, in her generation, but also in our culture, how it's forced upon us to really think that your whole life should revolve around a job. But now we're going to get back into another question, a whole nother topic. Um, What do you hope to accomplish in this new era of your life?
1: Well, I I don't hope. I know I'm going to finish my master's Um, next summer. I should be I should have completed it. And as I was speaking to my son-in-law, William, earlier, I do want my doctorate because even as a child, I always wanted to have doctor in front of my name as a kid and things didn't turn out the way that I would have liked, but I'm still here. So I'm still working toward that. But after I get the master's degree, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to travel again and, you know, start looking for my little retirement nest egg place to live. And then I'll think about doing the doctorate and because that's gonna be another three years of that. So I figured maybe I'll get that completed by the time I'm sixty-five. So
0: okay. Love that answer. I love that answer. Um okay so if you could give your younger self advice, career advice, what would it be? Stay in The
1: military. I really enjoyed being in the military, but circumstances beyond my control basically kind of forced me out. And I took the advice of family who said they would help me. And that was actually the worst thing I could have done. Um... Yeah, I would have stayed I would have stayed in. I would have retired, and then I would have gone back in the Navy as a consultant. But that is not even about the traveling, but I liked what I did. And that's that's it. I think that had I just stayed, I would have probably been who knows, in another country we would be doing this or what. But, yeah, that's my younger self. I would have said don't don't listen because a lot of times you think family has your back or have you in mind, and they really don't. And I was told, come on, we, you come back. We're going to help you. And I left. I, I got out of the military. I came back, and I came back to uh, just— Just the wrong, it was the wrong place, the wrong time. And I really didn't have anyone where I was that would say, listen, LaVon, stay here. We'll help you. Don't worry about it. Whatever you need, we'll help you. I didn't have a lot of friends and I didn't really have, you know, a, a support system there. And the support system I thought I had, I didn't have when I got home. So I would encourage my younger self to just, no matter what, just stick it out. You can do this. You're you're good. You're great. You you'll be all right. And that's what I would tell my younger self.
0: righty. So the last question is, uh, you kind of already gave me an answer, but I still ask you anyway. Uh, one positive and one negative of starting over older.
1: Uh, so there is really. For me, there's only one real answer. If you're starting over at 40, 60, 80, there really is no negative because you're still here. So it's only positive. You can, if you're starting over at, let's say you're in your 40s and now you're about to enter your 50s and you need to start over, guess what? That was a 10-year span You're still here. That means you still have the opportunity to start over. So that's how I look at it. There is no real negative. I mean, you got to go through a lot of issues sometimes. It's never smooth sailing the older you get. It just, it's just learn. You learn more. You know, you learn what you should do. You also learn what you shouldn't do. You learn who your friends are. You also learn who your friends are not. (laughs) You learn who to trust. And you also learn who to be mindful of, but you're still here. So you're always learning. And that means you'll always have an opportunity to begin again.
0: All righty. So is there anything else that you want to talk about as far as, I know you talked about, uh, college and what your former career was, is there anything that you want to do in the near future besides schooling? Is there any other dreams and hopes and aspirations you have for yourself beyond the master's and doctorate degree? Well,
1: I know she's going to get on me, but I have written several books and I have yet to publish them and that's bad on my part. (laughs) So I really need to get them out. I do need to get them out. So that is one of the other things while I'm on this break from school, you know, when school's over and stuff, but I've been working on them every now and then, but I really need to work on them and get them out. So
0: I agree. I agree. (laughs) So is there any, cause we didn't really talk about that, but is there any um, hobbies that you do? Like, you know, when you're not doing school when you're not, uh, you know, working on your writing, is there anything that is sparks joy in your life?
1: Well, I like to, I like to go walking. I like to do meditative walks.
0: Um I'm
1: not really a person that goes to movies and stuff like that. I'm trying to be better with things, you know. And I'm a part of a veterans club that meets, and we've done watercolors we've done a lot of different art projects and I've done that and I've also had an opportunity to do um several weeks of equine therapy where you're with an equine therapist and the horses and that was nice I enjoyed that but um I mean my hobbies I I was a gym rat and I want to say I would like to get back into that again, but to a certain extent, because I was I was going to if anybody knows Lifetime Gym. I was a part of Lifetime Gym for over close to four years until my mom got really you know sick where I required hospice and everything. So I had to stop because I was I had to be there. And um, so I was doing different runs. And I haven't, I haven't accomplished a marathon. I've never set my sight on one. I have marathon I wouldn't mind doing. I've done uh, 5Ks. I've done 10Ks. I've done lots of different walks. I've, you know, I like going on trails and stuff like that. But I miss that because I was focused on school and um, having to take our, her grandfather and um, because of him being ill and not being able to live alone. I had to place him in a long-term care center. So it's the running around for that. And I haven't been able to focus on me, but now it's he's doing well. So I am able to start doing the things that I used to do. Maybe not get back in the gym just yet, but I can still go on my walks. And those are the things that I like to do.
0: All right. So now that we're pretty much done with the questions and you guys to really get to know my mom, um, we want to get into a segment that me and my co hosts usually do, and it's called What I'm Feeling. So What I'm Feeling could be a favorite book you're reading, right? A book you're reading right now that you're enjoying, an album that you're enjoying, podcasts, or even a TV show. So Levon Jones, what are you enjoying right now?
1: Um, I like Lewis Howes, The School of Greatness. So every now and then I will check out a podcast that he does. And um, there's several podcasts on Spotify that I will listen to. And they vary. There is never just one. So I may listen to one that just does three minute breathing And they have some for meditation for women and um, um, Oprah has hers. So there's, there's, I mean, it's just so many, it's so many. And I've like saved a couple of them. So every now and then when I'm going for long walks in the park, I will put them on. Or even when I'm just sitting in the park meditating, I will listen to a meditation. Um, The book I've been reading on and off. It's called "It Didn't Start with You" by Mark Wolin, and it's how inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how to end the cycle.
0: I want to read that book when you're done.
1: <laughs> I know. Um, it's just—it's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. Someone on Instagram, her her name is Chakalako. She actually talked about this book. So I purchased it. I started reading it. I put notes in it. And it's just so interesting because a lot of times what we think we're going through is actually something that we've inherited from a grandparent, a parent a great grandparent, not and us not knowing, not finding this out until we talk to a family member and then they're, oh, you know, your aunt used to do that. Oh, your uncle used to do that. Oh, your grandfather did that. And you don't know these things because people are always so quiet and especially in the black community. it's It's very hush hush. They don't tell you about if there's a sickness or if, if somebody has a, a um, an illness or even a mental illness and mm-hmm. they don't tell you, they'll say, Oh, well, your aunt used to sleepwalk. Oh, well, your uncle, oh yeah, he used to have problems with with um you know, he just couldn't hold his liquor. You know, and instead of telling you and there, oh that he had kidney issues or that the aunt had Real mental issues, you know, and you find out later when someone passes away. Oh yeah, you know they always had problems with the kidneys, or they always had a liver disease, or you know, and and you're finding out that you got family members that have sickle cell or sarcoidosis, and but no one tells you, and it it's not really fair to your next generation. Your children come up, and then they start having issues, and they start asking, "Well, mom." did you have this? Or did someone in your family have this? You know, so I'm
0: happy that I kind of have the ability with having, you know, my four, with having our four children. Like my mom kind of lets me know anything that she knows about family history, you know, on either side, on my dad's side, from which she knows they're from her side. So if questions are asked by the doctor, I'm able to be like, okay, well, I know on this side is this, or this side is that, or it's like, I'm able to answer enough. I know enough that I'm not blindsided by oh, they're this is this issue or they're having that issue or they're having you know? So that's something that I feel like is very, very important in our community. Mm-hmm. That we need it to is. work on because you have children and you find out that the children have uh they're born with an extra this or they're born with missing that. And then you find out that's always been something in the family, but it never had a name to it. Yes. Oh, so-and-so just always, they couldn't run too long. They would pass out, come to find out that everybody's born with a chamber blocked. And you didn't even know until you're, you having children and now they're doing the ultrasound. So they didn't Uh do back in the day. You're like, did you know this is a, you know, like even finding out with my twins, finding out that they have something as a, to deal with iron that I was thinking it was me and now it's possibly from my husband's family. So it was like, they was like, this is a genetic thing. So I'm like, uh, uh, I never heard of that. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. I don't, <laughs> I don't like know what you're talking about. So yeah. And it might've been something that in his family, a person always had an issue with iron or always was always tired of the iron or feet always cold. And they just thought that, Oh yeah. So-and-so they just, I, this always always got cold limbs and not realizing it's an actual disorder that's similar to it's like the sister to sickle cell anemia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. Yep. I can't wait to read that book. <laughs> okay. Any music? You listen. You're kind of. I get everywhere. my eclectic my eclectic uh thing with music from my mom because my mom listens to everything like when we were younger she listens to hip-hop with us everything mom's not a regular mom she's a cool mom
1: (laughs) (laughs) i do i listen to everything like even when they do the verses i will contact them and say oh who you're rooting for is it monica or brandy or wu-tang and this one or this whoever's doing whoever's versus whoever i i will watch some of them oh, nah, but most of them i will watch and i just i just always love music i'm from a musical family so um they might have been primarily gospel but i love all forms of
0: music you going to drop a high 16 for us i'm just like <laughs> A what? A what? that's a rap mom 16 bars 16 uh, bars she's like "Oh what uh, uh, uh. Uh, no. uh-huh. I can't do 16 bars or drink at 16 bars so no it's the one thing I gotta say about my mom she does not like slang <laughs> we were growing up <laughs> we were not allowed she was like I don't care what type of slang you use outside this house but don't use that mess in here so we spoke we had to make sure we spoke in uh, can't say the Queen's English anymore but we <laughs> we spoke and, who's that <laughs> oh gosh we had to make sure that we spoke properly so we had friends come over especially my brother because my friends didn't talk slang like that but uh, his friends would come over and be like yeah 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 mom was like what are you talking about my brother would be like oh yeah my mom she doesn't do the slang you have to literally speak <laughs> like clear English for her to yeah. understand you. Cause she knows none of the. Current yeah. slang.
1: I've, I've even corrected coworkers on my job who would say, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Nah, I mean, I was like, can you spell that for me? <laughs> They're like, what? Nah, I mean, can you spell it? Well, you mm, <laughs> no, I, I, are you saying, do you know what I mean? No, I mean, I said, no, that's, I said, no, what I mean. That's not what you said. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I've always been like that. I mean, or
0: you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know no what I'm, I'm saying. saying? What are you saying? Just uh-huh. say what you're trying to say. Uh-huh. So, what I'm, uh, <laughs> I guess I gotta say, what I'm feeling right now is, uh, I hope I don't say your name wrong. Yaba, Yaba. Yes, I think Yeba Her album Dawn Oh, it's so amazing I've played that album so many times And Stan is my favorite song Stan's my favorite song And the book I'm uh, filling right now Is Professional Troublemaker The Fear Fighting Manual By Lovey Ajayi Jones And I think I said that wrong I hope not I think I said it right But yes, I I am loving I'm on chapter 7 I usually go and read that on a you know, I can't read it during the week, so I read it on Fridays because I have my little iron transfusion. I have my quiet time, but the book is absolutely amazing. And just reading it, um, one of the chapters, like I guess, like this, like the first chapter, uh, she really talks about something that is near and dear to me that I didn't realize was near and dear to me until I got to the age I am now about being your authentic self. And don't worry about what people say. Like, there's a lot of times that people will say you're too much of something because they're too little of that thing. So growing up, I always got taught, you have your personality's too big or you're too loud or you're you're just too much. And as I got older, I felt like if I shrink myself down, then I would be more of what people thought, you know, they were comfortable with. Not realizing after reading this book, I was like, that's crazy because one person would say I was too much, too much, just too much that. But then anytime I had to do a school project or to present, I wrote to the occasion because my personality is meant to be able to stand in front of people and speak. But when I was younger, I thought that that was a weakness, not realizing as I got older and I had to do presentations, it was a strength. And as my husband says, he was like, you consider yourself an introvert. He said, but when when you go out of this house, he said, and you have to interact with people, he said, you immediately know how to move the room. He said, you can speak to anyone. You can get anyone to laugh or to talk or to open up. And I just always thought that growing up, you know, I'm just too much. But older, I'm like, no, I'm not too much. You just weren't enough. Uh-huh. Yep. And you thought that by squishing my personality down, by telling me you're too loud, personality too bad, big, you just talk too just much, like this, this, mother, and that, just, just like, like your, your mother, mother, that that it uh-huh. would squish me. And when I was younger, it's for grown-up. And these were grown-ups telling me that. When uh-huh. I was younger, it did affect me. But now that I'm older, I realized that... That it, it really you you were a grown up, you were a grown you were a grown up, trying to make a child feel small. So now that I'm older, I realize that I should pray for them because that's that's weird. I'm an adult and I have children. And I would never go to my daughter and be like, I need you to change this about yourself. I need you to, I would never try to squish her Uh -uh. and to realize that that was done to me as a child and by adults, adults that I consider to be the same family that was okay with doing the horrible stuff they did to my mom when she came back from the military is the same family that I was raised around that felt like it was perfectly fine to you know, make me feel horrible. And that same family, even now as I'm an, an adult, they still have that same mindset, except you still have that same mindset. But now I'm old enough to realize that your words don't move me. Uh uh-huh. And reading this book I feel like once I'm done reading this book I definitely want to get her uh, Professional Troublemakers The Fear Fight Manual for uh, Teens Because my daughter, she she reads chapter books So I feel like that would be an amazing book For her to read At the age she is So she can kind of like Get to where I'm getting to now By all the stuff that I'm reading And stuff that I'm listening to And just be such a a powerful force that sh- nobody be able to tell her, oh, you're just too much this or you're just too much that or you just yes. need to. Because I feel like, I said this before with William, people are always trying to humble black women. Mm-hmm. It yes. seems like that's like we get humbled in our family, you know, depending on what type of family you have. Yeah, you It's life. not always the job. No, a it's lot not. Of times it, it when you're young. our family. A lot of times it could be the
1: grandmother, oh, look at how you, you didn't tell me she's getting so big. You know, she talks a little too much. And then you do, you don't say it like with me. I didn't go back. If my mom would say something like that, I'd be like, yeah, and well, you know, they're so loud. Well, let's see. I am a one of twelve kids. Do you think it was ever quiet where we grew up at? No, <laughs> it's loud here. Maza. So we only got four. <laughs> our family is loud. We're a musical family. They play instruments, sing. Uh, my mom was on Broadway, off Broadway, and to have a granddaughter who can sing, she's loud. You you telling her she's loud? But I was loud. I was told I was loud. My mom was probably told that she was loud. She was in a choir, just like I was in a choir, just like Marie was in a choir. And it's so funny how the things that they point out in us are the things that people told them about themselves Mm -hmm. and made them shrink. So when their children came along, I'm going to tell her that to keep her down. And that's not what you do. I all I have always told my son and my daughter, you can do and be anything you want to be or do. Don't listen to anyone. These people don't sign your checks. They don't pay your bills. They don't put food in, in your mouth, you know, a roof over your head. You do for you. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks or says to you.
0: So, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I totally agree. I totally agree. But um, I think that is it. You told me all the stuff that you're feeling, and I said all the stuff that I'm feeling. Oh yeah, and one more thing, I'm also well. It's done now. But uh, me and William, we finished uh The Witcher. Uh, ending was amazing. If you watched, was it season two or season three? Season 2? Yeah, the end of Season 2. If you are a Witcher fan, I hope everyone is because that show is the bomb. Uh, we watch uh, Season 2. And right now, we all three of us started uh, watching this show called Imperfect. So I guess the next podcast, we'll be done with that and we'll let you know. So far, it's been amazing. Uh-huh. Alrighty, so this has been the end of the podcast. And anything else you want to say? Any saranars? Any finishing words? No, no, not really. Like I said, whatever,
1: whatever you're starting out or starting again, just the fact that you're still here means you can start again. That's it.
0: All right. So this has been Hanging with the Jeffries, also Hanging with the Jones, the Moms Jones. And uh, we're going to sign off and say bye. Bye.